0: exchange, where we exchange compelling dialogue around love, humanity, intellect, and team, every Thursday from eleven to one. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today I will be joined by two amazing guests to talk about the love, power, and politics of black hair. Uh, in the first hour, we'll be joined by Dr. Afila. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Afia Mbilishaka, and later in the show, owner, stylist, and um and stylist Lacey Fields will join us. Um, and and we're gonna go deep. We're gonna go deep. We're gonna look at love, power, and the politics of black hair. Who would have thought there's politics around hair? Who would have thought that we need to to um, you know emphasize love when it comes to our own hair? Um, and yet, this is where we are. And yet, this is what we are doing. Um, there have been policies and um, you know red tape put into place around our hair. Um, there has been shaming around our hair. And yet, there has been a whole lot of cultural appropriation as it pertains to our hair. Um, and the other part of this conversation is really about the health of our hair. So not even just in terms of our self esteem and the way we see each other and the way we love each other ourselves, but also just, you know, the, the external stresses that we experience in life and how that can impact the health um, of, of our hair um, because our bodies, just like we need to take care of our bodies, our hair is part of that as well. Um, and so what, one of these indications of mental state is um, our physical appearance. So it doesn't always mean that we have to look 100% all the time, but um, there is sometimes that is a huge indicator of, of what our mental state is like. Our hair in particular in the Black community has been a tool of self-care, social dignity, and revolution. Um, so today we are going to explore love, power, and the politics of Black hair. I want to go ahead and introduce our first guest um, this hour. At the age of 26, Dr. Afia Imbilishaka Mb- earned a PhD in clinical psychology and was a full-time therapist at Columbia University. She is now a professor and head of the Uh, psychology program at the University of the District of Columbia. Dr. Afia is a natural hairstylist at In Natural Hair Studio in Silver Spring, Maryland, where she loves creating art with locks, twists, and afros. Dr. Afia innovated the practice and research of psycho hair therapy, where she uses hair as an entry point for mental health services in beauty salons and barbershops, as well as through social media. Dr. Afia has provided engaging multimedia talks at universities throughout the country and in the intimate setting of hair care spaces. She has now gone international, leading cultural and mental health focused trips to Cuba and to various African countries. Dr. Afia's favorite hair product is water. <laughs> Psycho Hair Therapy LLC was officially launched in the memorable year of 2020. Not to mention appearance on Morning America, Allure, Essence, um, as well as being a key witness in the Natural Crown Act proceedings. I cannot wait to talk about that. So, welcome, Dr. Afi- uh, Dr. Afia Mbilishaka.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk all things hair with you today. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, And your range is just wide here. I mean, from the styles of locks to the crown act. I mean, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to I, I start with first, first of all, let me just share with everybody. This is completely unrelated, but it's important. So let me just do a little PSA here. Um, I, you may notice if you all are watching on Facebook live, you might see a cute band-aid on my shoulder here, on my left shoulder. Um, I just got my second COVID vaccine. So. <laughs> so we will see. I mean, I literally just got it within the last 30 minutes. So hopefully I will get through this show perfectly well. No side effects, full <laughs> energy, <laughs> no, no sore arm till later maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yes, that's that's where I am at, at, at this moment. That's kind of uh, my state of mind. <laughs> So, so doc, is it okay to call you Dr. Afila Afia or do you have a different?
1: Yeah, that, that, Dr. Afia know, so. works. That's what they call me on the streets. Dr. Afia. That's a good. Perfect. Good okay. <laughs> yes.
0: They tend to call me Dr. Pamela on the streets yes. and Dr. Lardy <laughs> in the classroom. So, you know, <laughs> making sure I'm getting it right. So tell me how you got into this this hair movement because you started as a therapist and, or did you already have the hair love before you started therapy? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, so I'm going to give the origin story. Um, okay. I always loved doing hair. I would do my cousin's hair, my sister's hair at like family cookout. Um, And then when I was in college, I almost had like a mini salon set up in my dorm room. And basically so did you did too. Okay. Yeah. I, but did. I, didn't, I didn't charge people. I just liked doing hair. I never charged. Mm-hmm. It was, it was therapeutic for me. And so yes. I remember um, talking to my Aunt Brenda on the phone one day. She's now an ancestor and telling her, should I study hair or should I study psychology? And she said, mm-hmm. well, why can't you do both? And so Ooh. I don't think she was trying to tell me to do both at the same exact time. but That's the <laughs> way I interpret it. I'm like, oh, hmm, I can do hair and therapy together. And so I ended up going to graduate oh, school God. at Howard University and studying black mental health and It wasn't until after I got my PhD that I then went to hair school um, so that I really had more of an authentic engagement with the community to talk all things hair and mental health.
0: Wow, I love that. I love that. I, you know, it's it's so funny because there's always that person on the campus who does everybody's hair, <laughs> and and so you were that person. I was also that person. I actually was just going through my photo album of my undergrad years of because I would always take a picture of their Ooh. hair, and so I was like you know, I wasn't too bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, but I also had the same. Um, I guess question about, you know, I wonder if I should go ahead and go to beauty school while I am working on my my degree. And, and I didn't do that, but I really had the same kinds of ideas and conversations like maybe I should. Um, so that's that's really interesting. Um, so did you when you went into um the you know because now I'm seeing that you know you're going into different hair spaces um you know how do you do that do you do it just kind of um I guess is it a formal program or is it just kind of you know hey let me come in today and Just kind of sit with your people.
1: (laughs) There there are a variety of approaches, right? Okay. So so psychotherapy is using hair as an entry point into mental health services. So it involves me training hairstylists and barbers basic counseling techniques. They're already doing it, but having more evidence-based approaches. It also involves having therapists based in the salon space, doing individual work and even group therapy work. Um, but it also includes doing workshops um, in the hair care space, and even there's a social media component because I know a lot of us are not going to the salon as frequently, and just thinking about the mental health messages that can come from some of our hair and beauty um, influencers. So yeah, I, I have a strategy for each level um, of psychotherapy. That.
0: I love it, and and you know I really love the Instagram page. That's one of the, the main reasons why I said we've got to have we've got to do a show on this, and we've got to have psychotherapy represented on the show because this is some this is powerful stuff. So I I, I love that, um, and we are definitely going to um, direct everybody to the Instagram page because that that is a you know it's it's a great resource. Um, but we're going to go to a break, and um, when we come back, we are going to talk about some trending topics and then we're going to dive right back in here so stay with us we'll be right back on the live exchange we the jury in the above entitled manner as to count one unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony find the defendant guilty this verdict agreed to this 20th day of april 2021 at 1 p.m Signed, juror four person juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. Be the jury in the above entitled matter as to count two. Third degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act. Find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April twenty. All right, so... Um that was the big news of the week. Um, Derek Chauvin, age 45, the former Minneapolis police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes last year, was found guilty Tuesday of all charges against him in the most um, consequential trials of the Black Lives Matter era. Um, The second degree murder charge said um, Chauvin assaulted Floyd with his knee, which unintentionally caused his death. Um, I think, you know, I think many of us will question unintentionally, but we will take the second-degree murder charge. Um, The second-degree murder charge said that Chauvin acted with a depraved mind, and the manslaughter charge said his culpable negligence caused Floyd's death. Now, Chauvin can face up to 40 years in prison for second-degree murder, up to 25 years for third-degree murder, and up to 10 years for manslaughter. Um, Minnesota's sentencing guidelines recommend about 12.5 years in prison for each murder charge and about four years for the manslaughter charge in this case the state has asked for a tougher sentence uh than the recommendations provide uh chauvin's sentencing is set for eight weeks from now and i guess we have yet to see I actually so, um, but we have yet to see if there will be any sort of appeal. But um this was this was really huge and, and, and very emotional, um, particularly for the black community. I know that personally, as I was sitting in this very chair watching the 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 verdict, um, I I couldn't I actually was kind of surprised by my emotion um, because I've been kind of numb through the whole thing and now and I've actually turned it off when when it was tough to watch some of the stuff that they were showing Um, but as soon as that verdict was was read with all three charges being guilty I the tears flowed I cried and I realized that all this time over this past year, and really, if we're being honest, since um, uh, Rodney King, because that was the first case I recall um, as a teenager and I was living in the L.A. area, I think I have had fists clenched, Mm. you know, this whole time. And it was just kind of that verdict was... And now just the flow of tears and emotion. And, and so Dr. Fia, I just would love to hear what you're hearing, what you're seeing in terms of how the Black community is responding. And even if you have any personal, um, you know, kind of thoughts about this.
1: Yeah, it, it's a whole bunch right now. Um, yeah. I personally um, have not given myself permission to feel too much. Um, you know, my, my role oftentimes is managing this emotional labor, um, as a therapist, and even as a professor, um, I was actually in class when, um, the verdict was read. And so students were chatting, writing into the chat, um, that they were crying (laughs) during Mm. class. Um, but, but it's interesting because, my I think I haven't given myself permission, just like you were saying, you can recall, you know, like 25 years ago for um, Rodney mm-hmm. King. But I I know this is going to continue to happen. It happened yeah. the same day with um, the same day. Yeah. Br- Bryant. And so I think just I I, I haven't exhaled yet. Mm. Um, And so I think that that as someone who studies the psychological significance of race and emotion, yeah. um, that this is. Definitely where my dissertation actually was. My dissertation was um, focusing on Black people's race narratives of highly emotional experiences. And basically, wow. it said that these emotions defy time. Um, to some degree, yeah. we do some time travel when we experience intense emotion from the past, present, and anticipated future. And the intensity of the emotions doesn't wane, it stays pretty consistent over lifetimes wow. in terms of these self-defining moments. And so wow. what I'm even hearing you say is like it's consistent with the research, right? That you've that same sensation or feeling in your body, the way you breathe, the, the tears, mm-hmm. um, all of that is, it makes me think of the book called the body keeps the score. Oh, um, that really, Yeah. That, that really addresses like how we physically, um, hold trauma in our bodies, but you know, this, yeah, this is complicated. So I'm just great. <laughs> recognizing it, it, my own numbing going on.
0: It truly is. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a colleague yesterday um, and I was kind of expressing this exact same thing. But one of the things that um, we talked about was that there is research out there and I and I really hate that I'm speaking on this research. And I don't have the name of the researcher in this moment. Um, And so perhaps I can go back to the Facebook chat and add it. But she is a Middle Eastern researcher who studies post-traumatic stress syndrome. And she made this declaration um, in an article that says that to have PTSD is a privilege. And Mm. I didn't understand what she was saying. I study PTSD. I speak on it. I train on it. And I was ready to kind of go up in arms, like, what is she talking about? This is crazy, and debate her while I'm reading the article. <laughs> and she further explained that in, in some of the regions of the Middle East, some of the the, the inner city, um, city locations, neighborhoods in the United States, um, they are in consistent trauma. There is no post. And, you know, and I thought, wow. So, so post-traumatic stress is a privilege from that standpoint that everybody doesn't get to the post. And as I was talking about my reaction to this verdict, my colleague turns to me, he's a white male, and he says, yeah, he said, no post. And that was the first time I applied that to myself. Like, Mm. wow. No post. I want to hear your thoughts on that idea of the no post, and 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 um, we're going to go to a break. Um. So, but I would love to hear what you what your thoughts are on that. It was something I had never thought about before. Um. And so, from somebody who you know does this psychology work, I just I would love to hear your thoughts. So, stay with us, and we'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm joined today by Dr. Afia. I'm Billy Shaka, and we are talking about the love power and politics of black hair and and just right here just to lay the foundation we're talking some of the psychology related to the work <laughs> um, that dr rafia is doing um and so right before the break i i referenced this concept of the post being a privilege and the the idea that that many black people in this country are we, we really haven't been able to experience the post as it mm-hmm. pertains to racial trauma. And I would just love to hear some of your thoughts on that, Dr. Afia.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this one is challenging, too. I would almost want to replace the P for PTSD with persistent, right? Mm. Um, to recognize that it's persistent stress yeah. um that that we're often facing or even thinking about uh Dr. Joy DeGruy's work post traumatic slave syndrome yes um to recognize that there are symptoms specifically associated with race relations in this country that have not been resolved ever right it wasn't like when the emancipation proclamation came that we got um therapy sessions right 40 therapy right. sessions in a mule right in terms right. of thinking about <laughs> They're, they're this intergenerational trauma, and to think about what cases our parents witnessed and experienced. You know, for my parents, talking about Emmett Till or things yes. like that, that it hasn't gone away, especially for for them, and especially how I don't know about your family, but they consume so much news, oh <laughs> in gosh, media that I'm, I yes. get worried about my parents' hearts. Yes, um, just in terms of the stress level of watching story after story of racial race-based trauma. So, oh, that
0: ended, so, so. so my mom is listening and I'm going to need her to take note of what you just said, because <laughs> she is in front of she is consuming all of it. And and I have to give myself breaks. I I actually um, you know, I used to be I, I was a journalism major. So mm-hmm. I I consumed this news, you know, consistently, you know, and as soon as Donald Trump got elected, I actually I actually probably went about a th- good three solid years. Not watching the news, reading the news, um, and taking in what I wanted to take in um, and getting the basic information that I need. Um, but gosh, that's so important what we expose ourselves to. Um, mm-hmm. Huge, huge point. Um, and I, I could stay on this the whole, but I really want to transition to the hair part. <laughs> 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 um, um, you know, so one of the things that you're, um, and, and we did kind of dig around. and and pull some of your research. (laughs) Um, And so we have an article here um, and it's entitled Psychotherapy, Using Hair as an entry point into Black Women's Spiritual and Mental Health. Um, And this was, I think it looks like it's published with two guests. but it's, you know just to kind of give a little bit of what's being said here, uh, just to give the audience a little bit of context, um, She writes, most black women who experience the psychological distress do not receive mental health services because the dominant model of service delivery is often inaccessible and culturally disengaged. The, mix mat- the mismatch of westernized approaches to mental health neglects the cultural significance of informal helping networks, spirituality, and interdependence found in the Black community. Um, Could you speak to that uh, a bit? Because I think these are really important points.
1: Yes, yes. Um, well, there is so much uh, mistrust in this system in terms of the the medical mistrust that comes across generations, but also thinking about going to see a stranger and talk in some office by yourself with someone you don't know actually is uh, counterintuitive for black women that that research suggests that when we have a relationship with someone that that helps us to feel safe and to open up. So it really speaks to um, how I think uh, Western medicine is really forgetting um, these informal helpers, or even we can call it lay yes. advisors, right? People who are who are trusted in the community, who are key stakeholders, who are giving health advice and are really good listeners. And so yes. I think that it's more authentic to engage community through networks that already make them feel good. Um, and so to, to really uh, focus on that dynamic versus again, paying someone 180 an hour to, Talk to at them. least, <laughs> at least, right? Um, and they're probably gonna take insurance. So mm-hmm. at least, at least, if you pay one hundred and eighty dollars to a stylist, you end up with some really nice knotless braids or something. That is like that. So
0: amazing! Oh, I love that. You know, and and so one of the things that you continue to talk about here, in, you know, just really in lieu of you know, Western approaches, you talk here about, you know, Africana womanism um, and exploring healing modali- modalities in traditional African societies. And, and so are some of these informal networks um, what you're referring to here? Um, and and maybe help everybody understand what Africana womanism is. I, I am fully aware of what it is because my best friend is doing her dissertation and this is her framework. So she has schooled me on what it is, but can you help the audience understand?
1: Yeah. So, so I, I believe that it's a mix between um, feminism, which oftentimes excludes black women and excludes African culture and a mix between African centered in terms of really recognizing the strengths of Black people and African culture that's been passed down through generations, and so it's a nice place for gender and culture and race to meet um, and so I, I I'm thinking about how I've been studying hair rituals in traditional mm-hmm. African societies, and there we we had ways to take care of each other um so even if we use uh, the word ritual um, as defined by sabone Fusome, who's now an ancestor but um Someone of the Dagara ethnic group in Burkina Faso. She has lots of book about books about African women and healing. Um, she says a ritual is how we prepare our mind body and spirit to receive something, specifically a wow. blessing or something else. But we have these rituals that we engage in all the time, but especially when it comes to hair care. And so part of my work is really investigating those rituals, because we've been taking care of our mental health from before Freud, right? The, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> and after <laughs> we had tons of things that took care of our bodies and took care of our minds and our spirits, and often they went together. And so I think mm-hmm. what happens sometimes in the salon and even the bar, Barbershop, shop is. This is one of our safe spaces that our culture can actually take up room. Um, the way that we engage, right? I always like to say for our hair um, <laughs> that Africa always comes back, whether it's every four, uh, six, or eight weeks. I always say Africa comes back, right? This is in our genetic it. code, and so I yes. think that sometimes hair pulls us to be even more um, practitioners of African culture.
0: Wow. I love that. And you know, I think that the obviously we have met, you know as a I guess as a national culture as a nationality here in the United States um we have become very much disconnected to what um the you know some of the cultures and the traditions and the rituals are um in Africa and some of the different you know and there's a wide variety you know when we you know it's, it's not just one big um you know country,
1: country. We're, <laughs> Not a country.
0: you know what I'm saying? This one big country where everybody's doing the same thing. We've got so many different tribes, so many countries within the continent, so many different religions. And, you know, and I just think that there's such a rich amount of, um, wisdom that we can pull, um, from, from our, really from our roots. Um, you know, so, I, the so this is so, this is so, Important, and I, you know, um, I want to dig. I want to dig more, but you know, um, I guess I'm I'm trying to move forward. Um, But I guess with the when you say that, you know, the you know Africa is in our roots, and it comes through every six to eight weeks. (laughs) um, Are you seeing um, a difference in self perception with natural hair versus straight hair, or you know, are there any real I guess, divides when it comes to that and and the way that we see ourselves?
1: Hmm. It's complicated. Um, I think that, that hair is a complex language system. And I think that people who choose to wear their hair naturally are maybe investing in health a little bit differently that recognizing that some of these products that are related to hair straightening can be toxic for our body. So I think it's a health okay. choice, but also right. a political one, right? in in terms of communicating to other people that you want to have the versatility or show your texture or you know create certain styles that that have cultural significance. But it's interesting, uh, one study I have a focus on exercise. I thought um, mm. in this study that women black women who wore natural hair would exercise more frequently. <laughs> than black women who had chemically strained hair. I was wrong. I was wrong. And it actually surprised me that weight, <laughs> weight was actually more of a determining factor. Really? Hair. Yeah. So ah. that there was a relationship between like, the, if, the, if people were thinner, they tend to exercise more versus if they were heavier, they exercise less regardless of the, whether it being natural or not. So that really surprised me. I didn't, I That's didn't expect to find that.
0: Wow, I know because and and it's it's such a a um a valid study to explore because our hair is a factor when it comes to working at well at least that's what we thought. I mean, you you just basically said it's not, but I mean, that's
1: any new data. Maybe it was some biased data, but I was I was shocked. But that's the thing
0: we speak to, you know, is is the hair or um or swimming, you know, whether or not we're going to go swimming and and learn to swim and so forth, um. So that's really interesting. You mentioned this thing, this idea of um, hair care products. And, and I wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit as well. I know that you said that your favorite hair Hair product is water, um, and I love it. And so I want to hear more about that. But I also want to talk about um, the potential dangers of some of the hair care products that are out there, and why water, um, you know, for you is your favorite. So we're going to dig into that when we come back. So stay with us on the live exchange, uh, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. To the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. We are talking about the low, low power and the politics of black hair, um, and I am joined by Dr. Afia. <laughs> I don't know why I keep struggling with Afia. <laughs> uh, I have a friend whose name is very similar, so I keep wanting to say her name. But <laughs> uh, but my Dr. Afia and Billy Shaka, and we are um, really kind of just diving into this idea of psychotherapy, which is um, the work that she is specifically doing to bringing um, therapy and mental health um, to the world of of hair and beauty. Um, so right before the break, we were talking about um, the fact that water is your favorite hair product. Can you please uh, shine some light on us about water?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, we know that water is the only thing that can moisturize hair. Everything else... Seals it in. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, so to, you know, kind of like oil and water don't mix. So, once you can yeah. get hair, in, I mean, water into your hair to, to make sure that it's, you know, it's sealed within the, the cuticles. So, I like to drink the water too, <laughs> <So> <laughs> making sure I'm hydrated, making sure that there's good blood flow to my scalp um, for healthy hair growth and to eliminate any toxins. Um, I like water to come out of my scalp when I sweat from exercise. So, so I, water. You know, we're mostly water. So, um, making That's sure they so that, interesting to, to put that in.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna come show you my ignorance because I thought water dries the hair out, you know, I, you know, as opposed to, you know, the oil or, you know, that we put in, like, So I, the only thing I use in my, on my locks are, um, well, is water. Cause of course I wash my hair, but then I use oil because I'm thinking I need to moisturize it. So am I wrong here?
1: So you, you were moisturizing it with the water, the oil then again, keeps the water in there. Um, so, so it's got it. Yeah. So, got so it. We're calling things moisturizers that are really sealants. if that makes sense, in terms oh. of water is the major part, and then everything else keeps the water in.
0: <laughs> I see. Okay, so, yeah, so we need to know our language. We need to know <laughs> <laughs> this correct terminology. A uh, few years ago, uh, there was a lot of... Um, I guess headlines going around about black hair care products, um, perm products, and, and really, I guess, black hair care products across the line, across the board, um were found to have toxic chemicals possibly creating cancer. Um, did you do you
1: have any any thoughts about that or insight on that? Yes. All right. So so I, I think I kind of have a different stance on hair care than maybe other um, hair care professionals. These are my views that I'm gonna own. I live with a philosophy that basically anything you put on your hair or on your skin, you should be able to eat. Now I know I'm a hypocrite right now because this is L'Oreal Paris uh, in terms of a free lipstick I got, but... Again, because of the way that our um, blood vessels are set up, that when we apply something topically, sometimes it can go into our bloodstream faster than if we were to ingest it and it go through the digestive system. So basically, okay. with that concept, um, I definitely believe that we should be getting a lot of our hair products from the produce section of the supermarket, um, mm. things that have an expiration date. Because I'm sure we all have something in our bathroom cabinet that's been there for like seven years. <laughs> That's probably not the best stuff to, you know, um, roll your locks with or to, do a twist out like it's probably not the best. So thinking about that, again, we should really be able to refrigerate our hair products, they should expire. Mm. They they should have things that our bodies can process because oftentimes um, when we're using products that are not really uh, plant based or could be processed in the body that that it causes consequences like um, fibroids or various infections or um, even there were research studies coming out from morticians saying when they were preparing black women's bodies for burials and they would pull back the scalp, there would be this green slime
0: on their oh skull
1: God. from years of product buildup. Um, <gasps> and so just to even what? think about that. Yeah. Thinking about factors <sighs> like that, but that, that again, anything we put on our hair or skin, we should be able to eat because then our body can process it and eliminate it. So again, I'm not following this 100%, but that's why I like, Water as a hair product, but also looking for <laughs> when I read um, products to, to make sure I can pronounce everything. Uh, yeah, that sounds simple, but to make sure you can pronounce the ingredients.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I think you might have converted a lot of people with that green slime um, uh, story because that's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> um, and I feel like I actually might be on the right track then because. I use water and I use oil and sometimes it's, I I need to probably check the oil, but I have um, used avocado oil, like things that are in the kitchen, you know, as, um, as my sealant, I was going to say moisturizer as my (laughs) sealant. (laughs) Um, So that's good. That's good to know. Um, And then you also said that would also apply to our skin. So I might consider, uh, you know, some kind of similar oil to, Seal in the moisturizer in my skin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning some stuff today. So, tell us a little bit about um, your hair therapy. I'm sorry, uh, psychotherapy certification program. Because you know what? I have a coaching school. And one of the things we did is we showed up to it's a coach certification school. So, people who want to be certified life coaches and so forth. Uh, We went to the Bronner Brothers uh, hair what do you call it? Big convention. And we had a booth there and I was amazed by how many um, hair professionals would love to have certification to coach because they they said, basically I'm doing this with my clients already. So the psycho hair therapy, I think takes it to a whole other level because now you're talking about therapy um, <laughs> and and practices and tools and, and things that are related to therapy, which is, you know, a, you know, different We're talking about a different uh, stage here uh, because you can deal with some serious issues with that. So anyway, Psychoherapy Certification (laughs) Program, can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, I can. So the Psychoherapy Certification Program is a 12-hour course that either can be self-paced online or we have these virtual training intensives that are 12 hours. So two days of six hours where stylists, barbers, or community members, teachers nutritionists we have a variety of people who get certified basically anybody can get certified but it's that concept of using hair as an entry point into mental health services so as part of the training day one we usually go into a deep history deep 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 history of hair um i i I call myself a hair historian a self-trained hair historian I go really thousands of years into history to understand our hair. Because in psychology, as you know, um, the best predictor for future behavior is past behavior. So I always want to give a really strong historical foundation to understand hair and healing. Then we go into identifying mental illnesses in communities of color. Because we recognize that sometimes psychological disorders can look a bit different on us. Um, And to even think about some occupationally specific mental health concerns, like there's a psychological disorder, trichotillomania, right? That's um, hair pulling and it's an anxiety disorder where people pull out eyelashes, eyebrows or certain patches on their hair when they're feeling very distressed. So even going into things like uh, body dysmorphic disorder or various eating disorders and how that can look on black bodies. Um, So that's a big part of it. Then we go into um, the hair care plan. And so H um, stands for, uh, for hair stands for harm to others or self. A is active listening skills. I is um, cultural, well, it's insightful information. (laughs) And then R is, referring respectfully. I don't know why I'm getting all tongue tied on my hair acronym. But okay. <laughs> so, so each thing stands for a part of how to do an intervention um, related to hair.
0: Wow. So you basically articulated beautifully the difference between what we would cover in coaching versus therapy. You're talking about mental um, challenges and and all of these things that we need to be able to recognize when we are working with people because a lot of these things go unseen. A lot of these things are like, oh, she's picking at her hair again, but we don't really associate it with anything. So this is huge. Um, we're going to go to uh, another break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to kind of wrap things up. But, um, so stay with us on The Live Exchange. Welcome back to The Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And today I am joined by Dr. Afia and Billy Shaka, And we are talking about Hair, the love, power, and politics of black hair. Um, And um, you you definitely gotta check out her um, psychotherapy, um, movement, training, programs, certification, um, that that she's uh, really doing some amazing work through. I, I wanted to ask you about the National Crown Act. You know, you were a key witness in the proceedings, that's huge. So if you can first tell us about the National Crown Act for people who don't know. And this is something that I think has been an issue here and in Europe. Um, and, and then just kind of what your role was in that process.
1: Okay. Yeah, so the Crown Act stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And it's an anti-discrimination bill um, that is supposed to protect black hair, and specifically protective styles, such as braids and twists and locks, bantu knots. Um, all of that would be protected under the law. As we know, there were several cases that were coming up that got some social media attention of children being kicked out of schools or having their Mm -hmm. hair cut, even as of this week, I think a child, a black child's hair was cut at school. But um, it's, yeah, yep. Um, And so just to even think about these um, cases of racial discrimination that actually weren't covered by the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So the 1964 Civil Rights Act says that black people can't be discriminated against based on race but Mm. they didn't factor in hair. And so hair has been used as a way of excluding black people from certain schools, employment opportunities, and even housing. So that's the major goal. So, so far eight states have passed and I was able to testify, I think five of them (laughs) on the psychological impact of hair discrimination. And so Mm. um, it just came out in 2019. It's still pretty young and new, but hopefully they'll get it will get some more federal attention. Right now, it's at the state level. Um, to I guess for people to choose whether or not to have it in their state. So it's it's yeah. a growing movement for sure.
0: I I remember when I saw that it passed in California, and that's where I'm from. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh wow, this is this is great. At the same time, what a shame that we even have to do this, <laughs> We even have to create this. Um, but yeah, we many of us have had that journey of. Oh gosh, I have a job interview. Do I show my locks and my natural hair? Maybe not so much the locks nowadays, but the the fro. You know, do I go with the big hair? Do I go with my twists? And maybe so the locks. Yeah, I mean, actually, locks has been definitely uh, a big issue. Um, You know, with the I'm I'm envisioning the was he a basketball player in which the coach on the sideline cut his locks?
1: Yeah, the wrestler. Yeah, wrestler in New Jersey. Mm Yeah.
0: (sighs) So okay. It is. It, we've got two minutes. So I want to give you an opportunity to let everybody know how they can reach you um, and, and anything you might be involved in that you might want people to know about.
1: Oh, cool. OK. All right. The best place where to find out more information about me in psychotherapy is the website psychotherapy.org. OK, I see it right there. Psychotherapy.org <laughs> or the other um, place is Instagram. Um, All right, there it goes, at at psychotherapy. so we're we're actually having one of our research lab members doing a takeover today, so she's posting various things about her research and her studies, but yeah, we would love to connect, doing our next certification during Juneteenth, we felt like that was a good time to have our next virtual training intensive, but yeah, check out our information. We, we love sharing research and different findings about the psychology of care with you all.
0: Nice. Oh, this is so good. I, I love it. Um, I, you know, in my brain, I'm like, who? Partnership, partnership.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but I love this. Uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing. It's so important. And this is why people have a particular purpose so that we can touch all ends of the earth with all of these different issues um, that, that really need to be addressed so I, I really appreciate you and the work you're doing and for joining us today so um everybody we are going to go ahead and and dive into um our next hour but um, just want to thank you so much um Dr. Afia for joining us um in the second hour we're going to be joined by Lacey Fields who is a stylist and owner and she's gonna give us some of her insight on this on this topic of love power um and the politics of black hair uh, so stay with us we'll be back Hello and welcome to the second hour of the Live Exchange, where we exchange compelling dialogue around humanity, intellect, and change every Thursday from 11 to 1. I'm Dr. Pamela, and on today's show, we've been engaging in a compelling dialogue on the love, power, and politics of Black hair. Um, In this next hour, I'm going to be joined by Lacey Fields, and we'll be further exploring the love and expansion of the Black hair industry. Um, you know, this is, this is so huge and so important because the black hair industry is huge. And of course I have questions about, you know, really the extent to which we have our hands in this industry. Um, and so I, am really excited about having this conversation and also looking at stress and hair disorders as we, um, touched on, um, um, in the, a little bit on the first hour. So we'll be able to dive a little bit more deeply into that, uh, during the second hour. So. I am really excited about this. I'm uh, really wanting you all to uh, get engaged. If you're on Facebook Live, jump on there, add your comments, your questions, your stories, your experiences, um, and we'll be sure to highlight those um, in this conversation. So stay with us. Uh, When we come back, I'll introduce Lacey Fields, um, and we'll be right back on the live exchange. All right. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Pamela, and uh, I'm going to introduce our guest for the hour. Um, Lacey Fields uh, is a master stylist and trichologist with more than 18 years of experience in the beauty and hair care industry. The adoration Fields possessed for the industry at a young age led her to begin traveling and educating herself on various cultural beauty techniques and skills. She utilized this information to help her reach new heights. Uh, Fields' travel experiences have broadened her perspective on creative stylists, on creative styles, and trends in the industry. During her travels, Fields was an educator for members of the beauty community, and the expenses she the experiences she gained abroad allotted her the opportunity to become more of a well-rounded stylist. Fields is the owner of therapeutique. Salon and Spa, where she and her staff service multicultural clients and provide them with both nourishment and style. Through her partnership with 803 Natural, Fields has been able to aid clients suffering from various scalp disorders, such as alopecia and psoriasis. Fields' dedication to bettering her craft and expanding her brand is a catalyst for success. Welcome, Lacey Fields. I think you're muted, so what did you say? Say it again. I think you were muted. <laughs> oh, no, we can't hear you. Oh, I think we can hear you. No, no, <laughs> no, we can't hear you. Huh? Okay. Okay, maybe um, I can go into the research and then we come back, you know, maybe we can come back to Lacey Um, yeah, we can't hear you. Okay. No, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and, um, talk about some research as it pertains to hair. And then, um, maybe, you know, when I'm done, maybe Lacey, Lacey will be, um, her audio will be up and going. Um, but this is looking at um, w- mental health treatment in the Black community um, and therapy and just kind of continuing a little bit with what we were talking about in the first hour. Um, and according to uh, Leonica Irwin, she's saying it doesn't matter if we, if we're male or female, hair is our therapy it doesn't matter how old we are hair is one of the strategies we've been able to um that, that's helped us become so resilient so our barbers and beauticians are more than stylists they're often confidants um we have regular appointments with the same hair barber and stylist for years to make sure we look presentable with the, to the world um and at the same time we are confiding and we're trusting and we're, you know, we've, we've built solid relationships with our barbers and stylists um, in the sense that they have become family. They are a part of our extended family. Um, According to Leonica Irwin, we spend almost $8 billion a year on hair care products and services because hair services are therapeutic. Um, the study showed that nearly two in five, which is 38%, of Black consumers report that they are constantly looking for ways to improve their imp- appearance. And in the quest to look their best, they are often trying various hairstyles, not to mention various products. I mean, we can spend... A lot of time in those aisles with, um, you know, various hair products and that, you know, kind of let me test this out. Let me see if this will uh, do the trick. Um, we've learned that uh, Black people have learned that the old saying, if you look good, you feel good. Um, That that that, you know, saying has been true. It's been proven in studies so much that the American Cancer Society started a look good, feel better program to help cancer patients with their recovery. So we weren't too far off base um, with that idea. We feel worthy when our hair looks nice. Um, and it boosts our self-esteem and builds the confidence we need to endure everyday challenges of being Black in America. Uh, We get depressed when our hair doesn't meet our expectations. Um, We can't function because we think other people perceive us um, as dysfunctional if our appearance is not the way we want it. We just witnessed this a few weeks ago um, with Derek Jackson and his wife Dania Jackson. And, and there was a whole lot of commentary and criticism about the way she was looking because many of us tied that to possible depression. Um, so the very act of getting our hair done is self-care. It helps us relax. It feels wonderful to have our hair scrubbed. Um, and we enjoy having oil massage in our scalps. And um, And for our brothers, they love having a nice lineup. They love the beard maintenance. I really believe that that black men are in the middle of their own natural hair movement, which is about the um, you know, the beard and taking pride and in, in allowing that hair to grow and and maximizing their looks from that hair. So um, that so that is a really good, you know, it's a really great overview of just kind of why hair is so important to us in um, in our community. We take great pride in it. We spend a lot of time in it. We spend a lot of money, um, and so uh, when there are things that don't go well, um, when we suffer from things like alopecia, um, it can have a profound impact on our own sense of self and our own, um, you know, even security um, in in engaging with other people. So, do we have Lacey back? Hi, Lacey. Are you are you are you all on? No, I don't think we can hear you. Now, <laughs> I wonder if there's a way um, that maybe she can, she can call in or I don't know if there's. At least for me, try um, exiting out the stream and then coming back. That usually helps. Okay. Yeah. So um, hopefully, hopefully we can get Lacey on board because we uh, she's got so much important information and the work that she's doing um, is just, uh, great and powerful. So we're, we're going to get, we're going to get Lacey on, (laughs) Uh, we're going to make this work. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's important for us to really, um, it, it's it's not just vanity when it comes to the way that we take care of our hair. And in fact, on um, the previous guest, Dr. Afia's uh, Instagram page, um, Psychoherapy, one of the quotes on the page is loving your hair isn't vanity, it's sanity. Um, and, I, and I think that that's a really important distinction and that's something important for us to understand because um, it, it is not just about building up this huge ego. Now, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen at times, but, <laughs> but it's not always just about building this huge ego. It's really just about um, being above water and feeling um, good about yourself and loving yourself and being able to look in the mirror and saying, yeah, I, I like what I see. I'm content with what I see. Um, so really... Um, you know, it's easy to say, you know, and I've actually heard this said um, by other, you know, women, white women in particular, like, but it's just hair. Um, I can trying to remember the conversation I had. And, um, oh, I do remember the conversation. And we were talking about how um, some of these policies about black hair in schools, and black hair in workplaces were really serving to oppress you know, hair expression and hair freedom. And, you know, by saying, well, no, you can't wear braids. Um, No, you can't have your hair in a fro. And it's like, that is literally how the hair grows out of my head. So what are you asking me to do specifically? Um, And so I was having this conversation with a white female friend of mine. And the question that we had, you know, that she had for me is, you know, she said, I'm going to ask this just, you know, as respectfully as possible, because I'm just curious. But like in my world, um, when it comes to white hair, you know, for us, it's like it's just hair, you know. So why is that different for black women versus white women? Because for me, it's just hair, and I I thought that was so profound because I I don't think that in in very many of the circles that I'm a part of, um, you know, as it pertains to black women, it's ever just been hair. It's never just been hair. <laughs> it is like we treat it, and we say this in passing, but we treat it like our crown. Um, and and so it is literally the thing that crowns us. And so we take it very seriously. We take care of it. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, I guess, taken aback by the idea that it's just hair, especially when the idea that it's just hair Um, is an idea that can oppress, you know, keep us from jobs, that can get us kicked out of school, that can make us the center of attention, that can send us to the principal's office, Um, you know, because the idea that it's just hair says a couple of things. It says, number one, it doesn't matter how important your hair is to you. It doesn't matter the trials and the challenges um, and the hardships that you may have had in dealing with your hair in the society. Who cares about that, right? Um, but the other thing is, with it just being hair, yeah, so we just cut it off. And 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 I'm telling you, there have been these really disturbing cases of kids being in school and a teacher cutting their hair off, or a principal or, or a school leader cutting their hair. And it's like, wait, <laughs> that, that's a violation. <laughs> we don't do that. Um, that's a huge violation, um, you know, to to cut a child's hair, especially a black child's hair, because our our hair is very different. Our texture is different. Our consistency, the growth you cut, I can't even imagine uh, when I was a child, my hair did not grow fast. So you cut my hair and my hair is going to be that length for quite some time. (laughs) Um, And so that's just, that's traumatizing. Um, So the very idea that we have to speak up about why it's not just hair for us. And and if anybody is up for the challenge, I I think that might be a great book title. It's not just hair, um, but it's not just hair for us. And um and I appreciate the the question from my friend because it it kind of just opened up even my own uh horizons or understanding of of how people see hair for themselves, how they see their hair. And how they might um, transfer that into how I would see, you know, how they how they would see my hair. So it's it's, it's a really complex um, phenomenon, as Dr. Afia said quite a bit in the first hour. It's complex. It's complex. It's tied to our our self-esteem in many ways, our mental health in many ways, um, so much so that when we see another woman who is not taking care of her hair, Um, we do start to wonder about her well-being, not because we're trying to be condescending, but because we're genuinely concerned. Um, I think we might have Lacey back. Let's let's try it again. Actually, she just left back out and she's (laughs) right back. (laughs) She did come back, but she just left back out again. Okay. All right. Well, I'm do we have a break coming up anytime soon? Um. Yes. Uh, yes. We were actually going to go to the break, but yeah, like we get. Actually, she's back. <laughs> she's back. Let me go ahead and bring her <laughs> on. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna make this work. <laughs> Hi, Lacey. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you.
2: <laughs> Wonderful. How oh, oh, we love technology. Oh, we love technology. Oh, oh, my okay, God. Yes. Well,
0: good. Okay. So so I have done a whole lot of talking. And so I, I believe I owe it to you to give you the floor. Um, and I would love for you to just kind of tell us, um, you know, who you are and the work you got into and how you got into this work.
2: Okay. So, again, my name is Lacey Fields. I am an entrepreneur in beauty and lifestyle. Um, I don't just behave. I serve women. I serve as men. And, um, you know, the beauty industry is so broad and being a hairstylist is so important because we're a part of therapy, you know, so I like to say that I'm a hair therapist where we got therapeutic salon and spa because it's therapy inside of the salon. It's, uh, relaxation. It's all of those things. So we're caring, and servicing and offering personal care. So with all of that combined with all of my, um, my energy, Right, my expertise and um, and just overall uh, what I actually touched on, what I touched base on, as far as like traveling and my educational background. You know, uh, being a hairstylist, I think is underrated sometimes because of what yes. we do. You know? And uh, we come in, we come in a room full of multiple people. You know, from different backgrounds, from different uh, walks of life. And different hair issues. I definitely listen to you uh taking the floor earlier. And thank you because you definitely covered a lot of things, especially when it comes to like alopecia, hair loss, the difference between men and women, why women do it to themselves and all of those things.
0: Yeah, and, and I definitely want to hear more about that. I know that one of the things that you focus on are two of the things that you focus on, you know, is stress and hair disorders. And I'm I'm curious to know, um, you know, and some of the things that um, were listed here. Um, well, there, I think just two of the things were listed, various scalp disorders, just as alopecia and psoriasis. Um, as it pertains to that, you know, are those, are you, when it says that, because I'm reading here that you cover stress and hair disorders, are you putting that together? Are you saying that you're looking at the, con- the connection of hair, stress and hair disorders? Are you saying you look at stress and then you look at hair disorders? Does that make sense? Yes, it does make
2: sense. And yes, I look at both things. And the reason why is because they both are pairing matter. Um, you know, we are, we're stressed out every single day. A lot of people handle stress um, differently. Some people are very, very um, high in stress when it comes to, oh, I'm worried, I'm depressed. And it shows in the hair and the scalp. You know, it's so crazy because uh, when clients come in, especially new clients that schedule cost patients with me, to look at their scalp, I can... Tell them exactly what's going on from what's going on in their life, from what their eating habits are, uh, what they're drinking, what they're not doing. And then also we go into a deeper element, you know, as far as what is happening personally. Because a lot of people don't really understand that just because, like, let's use corona, um, the coronavirus example. A lot of yeah. people didn't understand that they were stressed at home by being at home. They didn't mm. they didn't understand. You know, you're, every day you wake up, you have a system. You wake up the day, you, eat, you shower, you, eat, you go to work, you do your work, you come home, and whatever else that you do. When your schedule gets off and you don't even understand what you're doing with your time anymore, yeah. you become stressed because you're like, wait, what have I been doing all of this time? What yeah. have I been focusing on am I focusing on myself? Am I focusing on more on others? And that's where you get that reflection, like, you know what, I haven't really been taking care of me. And it makes everyone go back into asking themselves the questions, am I caring for myself? Am I giving myself self-care? And you don't know what's happening on yourself. You're not looking at yourself every day. You know, yeah. you see um cutting hair in a brush or a comb. Yes, if this just- Expensive hair, you're like, okay, I need to go see someone. I, uh, I'm having too much hair at home in my comb or my brush. And then you're noticing, like, wait, my scalp is a little itchy. My scalp is tender. Then you come in and you see me, and I'm like, well, you're losing your hair. And mm-hmm. why are you losing your hair? You know? So then it goes into who else in your home is losing their hair? What kind of scalp issues are going on inside of the home base as well? Because if you have children and your daughter comes in and say, "Mom, can I borrow your comb?" Then she's using your comb. So whatever is happening in oh. your is actually going to happen in hers. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that um, yeah. because of the simple—you're in the same household. It's like, "Oh, okay, I'm laying on the same blanket as you. I'm laying on the same pillow as you. I'm using your comb and I'm using your brush." However, what does that really mean? You no, know?
0: so it's wow.
2: like, "Oh." I- Stand with me and I'm standing with you. And here it is. Now you possibly have psoriasis and now your children can possibly have it.
0: Okay. So that is something that has never in life crossed my mind is the potential of hair conditions being contagious um, and being spread from comb to comb, blanket to blanket, pillow to pillow. Wow. That's, that's, that's newsflash for me. Um, we, we need to go to a break. Um, and I'm, I'm really sitting here thinking, do we need to dive deeper into that or, or should we move on to the next thing? But, um, <laughs> by the time we get back, I will have made that decision, but that's, that's really good information. And thank you. Um, so stay with us. If you have any questions, concerns, anything that you'd like to, to raise, uh, especially on our Facebook live on the sensation station network, uh, definitely add it there and we will engage you in the conversation. We'll be right back. Uh, uh, welcome back uh, to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, we are talking about the love, power, and politics of black hair. And right now I'm joined by Lacey Fields. And um, we're, you know, she, she just really kind of dropped this nugget that I don't know if she knew this was a nugget to the extreme that it is. <laughs> but but this is this, this idea that if, if there's hair loss or a hair, you know, uh, concern in the household that um, the question should be, okay, so who else in the household might have the same condition? Because there is a possibility that these things can, um, you know, kind of be shared and or spread. Um, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but um, does, is this something that that Black people tend to know about? a lot of people don't a lot of people like know
2: about because it's so easy to share inside of your house that sharing is caring you know and um so when it comes to transferring it's very um you know and then a lot of and then people don't know how to actually identify health issues either so that's Mm -hmm. something else on top of the sharing, miscarrying uh, portion. So, if I'm mom and I have dandruff, and it's like, oh, it's just dandruff, but what type of dandruff is it? You know, and um, oh, and I have flakiness here, but then my daughter hair is flaky and she has um, eczema as well. So, is it identified? Excuse me, as eczema. So, so many unknown things go on in a household that um, a lot of people don't understand the transmission of diseases on the scalp.
0: That's so interesting. Wow. Um, and, and so how can people identify that, you know, that there is a problem or something that I should be concerned about? Because I know you you said that sometimes, you know, we, we're not necessarily looking at our scalp. So when we sit in your chair, you see what's really obvious, but that people miss it all the time. What kinds of things should people be looking for?
2: Um, well, number one, people should feel for uh, tenderness. And, Mm -hmm. um, of course, and very, very, um, unknowingly as well, uh, um, if your scalp is very hard. So if your scalp Mm -hmm. has like a hard feeling, that means that something's going on underneath of your scalp um, appear on the topical of your scalp. So a lot of people don't understand that either because braids and, um, extensions, and again, especially if you're not actually looking at your scalp or having someone um, look at it often. So, those are, those are the top three things. The mm-hmm. next step up is actually identifying the dandruff, um, the type of flakiness, where the flakiness starts, um, and where it actually sits. Because scalp is skin. So, a lot of people think that it's just, oh, it's, it's my scalp because I have hair covering it. It's still your skin. So, if you were to, back, you know, from your forehead all the way back, it's still a connection. So, mm-hmm. sometimes that is thing um, that is shown to know, that to identify that you have something going on, it shows around the perimeter of your head. So if you have like some type of fleshiness around the perimeter of your uh, forehead that goes around your ears, your ears can be irritated. Which I'm actually um, knowing now the mask, that since the mask is sitting on our ears, um, behind yeah. our ears longer, it does transfer down further down the ear. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, you know, oils and everything that's sitting behind the ear from the scalp, and then it's smothering the skin behind the ear. So yeah. that is behind, it's around the perimeter, and then um, it's usually like two inches back. So it's really thick, so it's like two inches from your um, hairline back, where you can actually develop some uh, very thick dandruff or psoriasis, or it can be very patchy. So, again, when you're touching your scalp and you're feeling like, okay, it's hard, but you're also feeling for patches. if it's actually um, a of buildup. So, what patches means is that, the, um, that disorder is actually formed around your follicles con- um, that are extended from your scalp. So, so, this is your hair coming out of your scalp, right? So, mm-hmm. the danger of dermatitis is actually surrounded that hair shaft. So what happens is when people go, and this is why we recommend not combing up dandruff with a comb? They think like, "Oh, let me just clean my scalp really quickly." You're actually irritating the scalp more, and you're pulling the hair from the scalp. You're actually pulling that strand. So that dandruff, psoriasis, or dermatitis actually attached to that hair is actually going to pull out, which causes hair loss. So oh, wow. you know how. As young children, we, we go outside, now it's hair day on the weekend, maybe, or definitely on a Sunday before school, Monday, and mm-hmm. you sit between your mom's legs, and she's like, let me get your scalp. And she's actually combing a layer of skin off of your scalp, but at an erratic day. So just imagine someone with soft nails scratching at your back. You're going to get some type of friction. You're going to get some type of um, irritation. And it's actually going to affect your back. That's the same way that I want people to think about what the comb is doing to the scalp, which is wow. why I partnered up with natural for our scalp
0: club. Why well, you partnered up with what?
2: 803 Natural
0: for Our Scout Club. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that.
2: So the Scout Club is actually a um, club that helps pull up the buildup off of the scalp without irritating the scalp. So it's actually like an exfoliation. So to remove all of the dead cells, the dead, um, the, the dandruff, the psoriasis, and the titus is actually healing the scalp as well. Um, we have had numerous. Well, I have had numerous of clients who uh, we did, we were fighting with their scalp disorders, who are scalps are very, very healthier now because of yep. the scalp rub. Following behind their medication, which is why I love like being a trichologist. A lot of us in the psychology world, we're, like, against dermatologists sometimes because they just offer samples and ointments that really don't care and that treats the scalp. It just helps layer it over. And yeah. um, it's next shampoo, where we are uh, actually I actually had one of my clients dermatologist say he loves it because of the simple fact that it's exfoliating the scalp and then the medication from the shampoo is going directly to the issue and it's healing her scalp as well so
0: wow so so we we need to go to another break but I'm um just quickly is this something that that people a product people can use at home and or is it something that they need to kind of oh, okay but I love it. Okay. Well, um, we're going to come back and I want to learn a little bit more about this, this, this field of trichology because it's not a word that's thrown around the whole lot. So, uh, so I'd love for you to educate a little, uh, educate us a little bit about what that means as you are a trichologist. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange, I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, we are talking about the love, power, and politics of black hair, and I'm joined by Lacey Field. Um, Lacey is actually, she's a master stylist and trigologist, and um uh, you know, for those of us who are not in the hair industry or we just go to the salon to get the the locks tightened or that perm, you know, added. I haven't had a perm in like 20 years <laughs> or whatever it is that we're getting our hair done. We don't think about the the field of trichology. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, oh it's, I would
2: love to because so many people are like, what? Trichologist? And I think that about three years ago, it just became a serious thing. Like I'm going to a trichologist, uh, where people really knew are learning about us. So we are the study of hair loss, which means that we can identify hair issues from a far away, honestly. But we go down um, deep into um, the body, so we can identify certain things with um, the scalp, looking at your scalp, looking underneath of the scalp, um, helping you understand the issue and why you're losing your hair. Um, Just to give everyone a little history, psychology really came from um, when, unfortunately, when people uh, die and they're in the morgue and they're doing all of these different things with the body, testing the organs and everything, and they identified that a lot of different things um, that people had wrong with them in their bodies that really went unknowingly was because of hair. And it came from like different chemicals uh different products um different vitamins and everything so that's where we really came from and i am excited about all of this not only because it doesn't separate myself from other hairstylists but it allows me to really help women and men understand that what they put into their bodies really matter and just as you know we just discussed you said you haven't had a permanent in years in over 20 years and then that's something else you know because as a hairstylist and as a psychologist, um, I am fully aware of what a relaxer can do to a person's body, which is why I have several different steps on what I do with applying a relaxer. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really understand that when it comes to like, oh, when and if I was uh, in the '70s and I had an afro, in the '60s I had um, a live perm, in the right. '80s I asymmetric haircut and you know and they did have a curly perm where you know a perm is actually a curly perm and a relaxer is straightening your hair and you got all of these things so this one woman she had decades of hairstyles, decades of actually utilizing different products different chemicals and now she is in her 50s um probably mid 40s and 50s um, losing her hair, and she's trying to understand. And, and me, as a psychologist, I'm able to really go back and explain mm. chemicals, what um, what ingredient in the chemicals, what actual product lines, um, what's going on inside of her body. So it's actually it's actually taking hair to the next level. You know, wow. um, yeah. it, it, it's very deep. It, it's anatomy. It's it's very anatomy. Yep. It, 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 in school we learn anatomy but in psychology I'm like like a doctor like I'm learning cancer. That, I'm learning talent i'm I, I know all of these things
0: I think that should be a a, a section in anatomy uh seriously uh, you know especially in communities that are predominantly black I mean we need a whole like semester at least that goes over look I, I, I'm willing to bet you people who are not necessarily Engaged in school will be engaged in in conversations like that because we're talking now about real life application um, on an everyday basis. So that's that's some really good stuff. In the previous hour, uh, I was joined by Dr. Afia and Billy Shaka, who is a therapist and a stylist, and she said uh, she basically kind of alluded to what you said that in the morgue and I almost don't want to say this again but you mentioned it so I got to bring it back up but when they would look at um black women after they passed away they would find this like this green slime under their scalps um because of the kinds of products that they were using and that's just a really scary thought um, so what you're saying is that you have certain techniques that are in place that kind of I don't know if it's that it prevents the the impact or, um, you know, but what what can women do um, to not have that take place, you know, that, that green slime bill or whatever is happening in our bodies? Well, the
2: thing is, what a lot of Black women need to understand is that they need a professional. Doing here at home is not the go-to anymore, you know, because what you're buying on the shelf is not what they're actually going to use. You're, thinking mm-hmm. you're buying a name. You're buying yes. a name and you in this name. And then you, of course, you're going to trust your, and, and you're going to trust yourself. <laughs> yourself at home, of course, right? But mm-hmm. what they aren't telling you is that it's other chemicals, other than the lies that's in these products, in these relaxers, and then it's other chemicals in these products to help them uh, last longer on the shelf. So typically, yeah. what's happening is. That the self life, and I'm not going to say the I'm not going to say the ingredient name because I don't want to get scientists on me, right? right? Come knocking at the door like, did you
0: say? Right. <laughs> It's,
2: that, it's that, um, the fact that the self life is inside of these products and to help um, create the longevity. So, just in case someone doesn't buy it. If someone comes in a month or two later, and then the store can actually put it back in its back shelf, and if it doesn't sell, then put it back on the shelf for sale, you know? So yeah. it's like, you have to stop doing these things at home. You have to understand that going to a professional is going to help you more, and I understand that it comes through money and cost and everything. But you find a stylist that's for you. You create the budget. Like, I'm a guy that I help my clients budget their beauty services because I understand. I'm a woman as well. I need my hair done. I need my nails done. I have all of these things going on as a woman. So I get it, right? I help them budget. help someone. You find someone who understands your money, understands exactly what you need. So when we talk about relaxers and my certain process on uh, relaxers, of course, I'm double basing um, and protecting the scalp. I'm letting it sit for a while. Um, I'm not putting the relaxer directly on the scalp. And I know that's hard to understand, especially when it comes to like touch-up needs. And um, Mm -hmm. because touch-up is closer to the scalp area, but I'm still not touching the scalp. I'm very specific specific on where I'm and then not only that, I'm not going back over my relaxer with a comb, with a brush. <laughs> the same tool that I use to apply it is the same tool that I'm going to continue to use to smooth it. A lot of people think like a relaxer, oh, I'm it, I have to keep stretching it. No, the relaxer is a chemical itself. You allow the chemical chemical to work. Just like hair color, you're not going to put hair color, um, you're not going to keep putting it on and packing it on and packing it on in order for it to move yeah as a time time it's already designed to actually become that color. As a colorist, you have to understand the underlying colors to perform so that color can come out exactly what the client's looking for. So it's different things, of course, on the professional side that we think about to make sure that it helps our clients' stay, um, hair stay healthier and their scalp stay healthier as well. But going back to application, it's really the application that helps to prevent that green, green, grimy so I stuff underneath of the scalp so it doesn't um, appear unhealthy and it doesn't um, create more issues on the scalp.
0: Wow. Well, look, I remember when I was applying my own perm because I, I did it all myself. <laughs> and I most certainly did make sure that creamy crack. I shouldn't say that. But make sure that, that cream stuff went all the way to the scalp, rub it in, massage it in, everything that I could do to make sure. It was all the way in there, and so I think that is a telling in and of itself about why it's so important. If you do, you know, have a perm, to have that applied by a professional because they actually know what they're doing. <laughs> Particularly somebody like you, who is also a trichologist, you know, who is who is, has health at the forefront of the conversation about hair.
2: Yes, big time, big time, and that's so funny that you said that because that's exactly what everyone's doing at home. And creamy cream is definitely freak so that's what relaxer is called nowadays because it's addictive <laughs>
0: okay you guys are saying creamy crack right that's what y'all saying creamy crack <laughs> i didn't want to give it a negative connotation i was like i shouldn't say that when
2: <laughs> happen, right and we all follow friends so one yeah. one year to be natural another year to be to have a pixie cut and everyone's texture um you can be natural with a pixie cut as well but everyone's texture is not going to go straight so a lot of girls and women are going back to a relaxer but again you know it goes back to the education and um i don't turn i remember years ago i was the only person the only stylist in a salon doing that hair. ever i mean this was probably when i first started at 17. You know, I was mm-hmm. in the salon, no one, everyone was going a relaxer. no one knew exactly what to do or had the patience to actually say, you know what? I'm going to take this natural girl. I'm going to press her hair out. I'm going to give her a roll of set. I'm going to get flexi balls on her. We had clients coming in, getting a relaxer and then getting a twist out so they had to be curly, you know, getting flexi balls right. so they can... You know, so then that's what it all shifted. Like, well, you know, you can have both that's of both worlds, world, especially when it comes to color. Everyone wants color, you know, so it's like yeah. you can't have a relaxed color, so you have to go natural. But I don't want to go natural because I don't have anyone to do my hair now that it's natural. But and me being the only stylist at that time doing natural hair, people were like, What? Like, you're going to take this girl with all this kinky, curly hair? And I'm like, Yeah, because her hair can be. <laughs> You know, her hair can be colored. Yeah. Then if she wants to come back and we want to do a curly style, I don't have
0: to relax her and then put a curl in it. Like, come on now, Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's that was the work. Well, you know, we're going to go to a break, but I do want to ask you a little bit about um, hair growth uh, when we come back. So um, yeah, because I have some personal questions that I think other people might have as well. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back on the live exchange. Um, and today we are talking about the love power and politics of black hair and I'm joined by Lacey Fields um, and she's given us some really great information um, so far just about our, our hair and um, some of the maybe even misconceptions that we've had and just kind of clarifying those for us uh, but Lacey I wanted to ask you about um, you know hair growth and, and I'm asking this without even knowing if this is Part of the realm of trichology and some of the things that that you you know you might have expertise in, but we have a lot of misconceptions about hair growth. You know, if I put this hair cream on my hair, it'll grow, or if I do X, Y, and Z, it'll grow. But what what is the truth of hair growth as you see it? The truth of hair growth is genetics. <laughs> genetics. <laughs> so it's not creams. Not creams.
2: You know, um, everything that is topical is actually going to help. You know, help your hair grow, help your hair stay healthy. But actual genetics is the uh, answer to that question. Is actual hair growth? You know, you look at your. Um, everyone's like, yeah, my great grandmother was Indian, and she has this long braid down her back, and she didn't have to do anything to her hair. So I don't understand right. why. Hair, you know, and then you have. Um, well, my mom's hair. You know, it she kept it short because it really didn't grow, but, you know, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's genetic, you know, and I tell people all of the time, like, you pay attention to your aunts, you pay attention to your grandmothers, you pay attention to your mothers, because that's exactly how your hair is going to be. And I'm not just talking on your maternal side, it has to be on your paternal side as well. So, it's like, yes. you want to pay attention to both sides of your family, and um, it gets crazy because, and I had this conversation the other day where we get older and the family, what we spread out, so we forget those who um, who we grew up with, calling them auntie and uncle because we're not we're grown and we're not around them as much, and then we tend to forget that DNA exchanges, you know. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Have DNA and you have hormones and you have genetics. So all those into play, I'm sorry to tell everyone that <laughs> putting your hair is not going to help your hair grow faster. Your hair grows according to your genetic background. Now, can you take vitamins to help your hair grow? Yes. But that doesn't mean it's actually going to help the hair grow. Sometimes those vitamins can actually help your skin glow versus your hair growing. You know, oh. um, it all also- <laughs> It all depends on um exactly what you're doing and you still have to take in it's the it's the inside of your body too. If you're eating healthy, then of course because yes. for me, it's a natural part of um our intake that helps everything in our body cooperate the way it's supposed to. And you have to listen to your body, you know. Yes. Um, I tell people all of the time because I don't eat chicken. And people are like, well, why don't you eat chicken? And I'm like, well, I was having stomach pains and the doctor couldn't figure it out. So I ended up having to shut myself down from everything, from water, from juices to everything and starting adding things in slowly but surely to see what was happening Uh with my body. And we have to do those things, you know. And um, a lot of people aren't really focused on change. You know, people have a hard time accepting change. So when you tell them to stop doing something, it's like pulling teeth. And it's like, but I, but I, but I, how could I go without? It? And it was like, well, you were born, and you were when we were born, we were drinking milk, so you can definitely yeah. go without.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> this is, is true. true.
2: Like, come on now, yes. Yeah, vitamins. all, but genetics is the overall answer.
0: That's good. So you know, we we need to think about our genetics. We need to think about what we're putting in our bodies, and we need to think about what we're putting on our bodies as well. Um, and you know, I, I got my daddy's hair. so I was wondering, my mom's hair is all thick and beautiful and glowing, and, and my brother got that. And I'm like, come on, How can we couldn't have switched? <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, but you know what, my hair didn't actually start growing until I got locks, which is a whole different conversation because I know it's not necessarily there's a whole dynamic with locks that that add, you know that that creates hair growth that we don't even have time to go into. I wish we did. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I guess it, well, well I guess I'll say in a nutshell from my understanding you're not necessarily losing the hair it's just staying in here um, and so the growth is just totally different but before my locks, I, my hair really didn't grow past my ears for, for the life of me, couldn't get my hair to grow <laughs> past my ears um, <laughs>
2: I think you said that because a lot of um, women and men realize that um, washing their hair helps it grow faster because they're not doing it as much, and I
0: think that's Mm -hmm. what a
2: lot of as well, like these people. You don't have to do your hair um, every single day in order for it to or to you know do the things that you really want it to do. It's when the hair goes untouched and it's treated, so it's treated and then untouched, treated and then untouched and then your hair starts to have that system. So you have that system in place, then that's when you really see um, the remarkable of having your hair healthy and growing and all of those things.
0: I love it. Okay, I shouldn't even have thrown the locks in at the last minute because now we're, we're done. Sh- <laughs> we are. The show is over and um, I, I really want to get a, really quickly from you, how we can get in touch with you, how people can reach you. Okay, um, so you
2: can find me at Therapy Teeth, let me go on this side, Therapy Teeth, Salon and Spa, um and also Maryland. You can find me on Lacey Fields underscore on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty much, if you go to my personal page, you can see everything that I do. You can see all of my businesses, you can definitely see the salon. And uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, everywhere. We're everywhere.
0: Great, I th- thank you so much. This is great information. I'm definitely gonna look up the, the product that you had mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is the, what was it, 803 Natural? 803. Um yeah. yes. Yes, so, so we'll definitely check that out um, and uh, definitely uh, follow Lacey Fields and the work that she's doing. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. So uh, thank you everybody for joining us today on the live exchange. Uh, we com- exchange compelling dialogue around love politics, Uh, humanity, intellect, change (laughs) Uh, every Thursday from 11 to 1. Uh, Join me next week at 11 a.m. Eastern as we discuss part two of stress awareness, which is what we started part one with uh, last week. Uh, Together, we can right the wrongs, we can speak the truth, we can rise above, and we can stand for change. Have an empowering week.